All right, guys, we're live. Back to uh, Playing to Win, podcast episode number 90. I am joined here with my friend, Sergey. Hi, Richard. What's up, my brother? Uh, one of the first podcasts I've ever done in real life in person, face-to-face. So this will be a first. We've got cameras and mics and all kinds of things we're testing out in this new space. And um, I want to introduce you to Serge first and tell his story because he's pretty remarkable. Uh, he's a guy that you don't know that you should know and you'll get to know him pretty well by the end of this podcast episode. Um, following this pod- podcast episode, and we haven't decided if he's live yet or not, uh, we're going to start another podcast together talking about cars, uh, which we'll get into as we kind of develop through this uh, little bit here. But this um, particular podcast, Serge, is really about uh, playing to win versus playing not to lose. Most people in life that don't get great results out of life, they play not to lose, they kind of just play it safe. Uh, you're definitely a playing to win guy. I met Serge, I think it was uh, last summer, last July? May, May? June, June, last June. Okay. So some of the meetups at Saturn Drive. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you guys are having any problems getting feedback, oh, hang on, I'm, I'm, telling, I'm getting people saying there's echo. I wonder if it's because, oh, you know what it is? It's echo, it's just picking up on both mics. Doesn't matter. We'll live. Um, you know, we'll live through it. Um, is the echo brutal, or can we push through this? Because we're kind of uh, testing and tuning. I disconnect my mic, and when I talk, no. No, you're going to need your mic on to sort of uh, push push through this. Um, can you lower the volume on his mic? Maybe that'll reduce the echo a little bit. I'll do the same on mine. Let's see if we can get this thing fixed. Kind of a test and tune as we go, ladies and gentlemen. It is what it is. This is going to be our partial news. Anyway, story. if it's brutal, let me know in the chat. I'll keep an eye on it over here. Um, and okay, yeah, so it sounds like it's fine. So you came from the far east. Let's start with that. You came to Canada. Elbury? So 15 and a half, turning two, three months away from being 16. And Russian-Ukrainian background. So Russian-Ukrainian, partially Jewish background, which I found out much later when I was actually in Canada. Um, so there's a bit of a twist of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Odessa, Ukraine, currently in the war situation, as everybody knows. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the proxy war in the show, too, because yeah. we've got a good 90 minutes. Um, so your family came here, or did you? So I immigrated with my, I'm his only child. So my father and my mother, 1999, November 22nd, we basically came around here. And um, that's it, on the day 42, I think I was working. And what did you start doing when you got out of school, or did you start working? So I, uh, high school, uh, went to high school, I think was a grade uh, 11 for me, just before the 12th and then OACs, which is a dumb credits for no reason in this country, but uh, it is what it is. Um, you know, obviously got a part-time job on a day 42 when I was here, literally like right after New Year's, um, grocery store, 525 an hour. Uh, same time, uh, I started, you know, basically second job at the, maybe not same time, but maybe like two months later mm-hmm. for five uh, for 545, which was increasing wages at that time. And then Dominion store, uh, same groceries. Same time was doing my lifeguard and swimming instructor uh, classes. Oh man, yeah, that's where that's yeah. that's the origin story of the lifeguard saving lives came from. Well, part of it, and then... we'll save that for the car podcast. Sure. Yeah, because because that, that happened on the most recent rally. <laughs> um, yeah, we have some wicked stories to tell, and um, before we get into like the car stuff and the rally stuff, and we're at the flask club. Can you guys switch over to the wide um, angle for both cameras for me for just one second there? Yeah, I'll, I'll just switch, switch over to Solo. Layout. 
You guys let me know if that works a little bit better for the visual in the, uh, the chat. As you can see, um, we've got the flask club above him. Uh, Serge opened up. Is this one of the biggest ones that we have in Toronto now? Uh, as a car club, I think it's the biggest club. Yeah. Hagerty is one of them, but they do mostly store. Yeah. And their club is a little bit different setup. Uh, but if you're talking about Norse-wise, yeah, yeah. that's the biggest club. So before we get into the, like, the details of the car club and what you're building here and the rallies and everything that's you know sort of been going on, um, talk me through the ascent of Sergey because um, there's a lot of people that come to Canada, they look for a better life, they come to North America, the States, whatever they want to get away from the bad things that are happening in their countries and their world, they look for better opportunities. And, you know, here you come as a teenager, you enter the school system. That must have been tough with, you know, the language barrier because you still got a pretty good accent, right? First three days, seven fights. <laughs> <laughs> are you a fighter? Do you know how to fight? Yeah. Good. What, uh, what discipline is it? Just street So fighting? I had my black belt in Taekwondo, and, yeah. but in, re in reality, I do Muay Thai. Okay. So I, I competed on uh, Ukrainian nationals for Muay Thai when I was 14 and 15 yeah. into national championships. Okay. And then talk to me about the ascent of um, you know yourself sort of like through school, away from the grocery store to the sorts of things that you know, you've gotten into today because you own a private mortgage company. It's publicly traded. You're raising more money. Uh, you're... You're a guy that, I mean, there's people out there on the internet that are always like, I'm buying cars, I'm buying cars, but you're a guy that nobody knows of. That, how many cars do you have on route right now? So I think it's 28 now. 28 cars. Yeah. So you're pretty much up against a guy by the name of Andrew Tate. Who, yeah, more or less. He's got like 30 plus in inventory and more coming. He's got some interesting hypercars, hyper but, but you're pulling in a lot of toys to build this club to um, use for future events and plans. Uh, you know, things that we've talked about as well, but how did you get to the point where, how old are you now? 39. How did you get to the point where, you know, you come to Canada as a teenager? Degrees. Three completed, three unfinished. And what are the degrees? So my uh, high school here, bachelor's in law back home, simultaneous times, mm -hmm. because of back home at grade 11, you finish. Here at grade 11, you have to do 12, an OAC, so basically 12 and 13. Obviously, you know, I'm here, I'm back home already doing my law degree, I'm still in grade 12 here. Second year university, I'm finishing OACs here. I'm third year university, I get picked, I get booted out of a campus there, get picked up by a military school into special services, then specifically deliberately failing that, going back into school there. Here, I'm in a college. So I'm challenging with my unfinished bachelor diploma, Seneca College route of paralegal acing all the exams, doing my paralegal two-year, three-year program in college within six months, getting my paralegal, finishing year three back home university bachelors. Doing paralegal here for next year already working, finishing full bachelors back home. After that, second year paralegal here in uh, Canada, Lancaster University in, uh, in the United Kingdom, unfinished degree for criminology. So I'm already in the UK. I'm just second year studying here. Simultaneously here, I'm going to York University while I'm being worked as a paralegal for crappy money, to be honest, at that time. Um, going back for my psychology at York University. Same time, night school, Ryerson for accounting. Also, degrees here, degrees there. Psychology, daytime, daytime York. Filling in, missing a bunch of school, trying to work as my half as a paralegal full time. Also flying in to do quarters, uh, you know, at UK. I'm, so 
That's that's how it got. Uh, let me let me just hop in for a second here, and I think I know how to cancel out the slight echo that people are having. So I'm going to mute myself and Sergey's talking, so you don't have an issue with that. Um, that's a lot of school. Um, I've said before that you should never let school get in the way of your education, and that sometimes confuses people and even upsets some people as well. Um, that's a lot of school that you were sort of pushing yourself through. Did you, you said that you only completed some of the degrees and you abandoned some of the others? Three done, three unfinished, yes. So I, I dropped Lancaster, um, didn't really work for me as a UK system. I did about a year, paid all the tuitions and everything else. Didn't really like it how their education shapes out. Uh, same with Ryerson, pushed through a year and a half uh, on the psychology, figured that shit isn't for me. Uh, Nice to read people, nice to understand people, nice to get along with people. So the base is there. Didn't really like it, dropped out. I like to try different things in my life. That's so, you know, if you have a variety of what you're exploring in a young age, I think it sets you to a path of dislikes and likes. And I didn't, I didn't like a lot of things. It's really my paralegal, you know, career at that time, while having a lot, bachelor's of law and having an actually a law firm back home. At the same time, I'm doing all this, which actually fitted me with money more than I was making in Canada. So I was like, you know, balancing couple couple balls. The problem was there's not enough time for actual life because you are balancing school and you're balancing work. Employed here as paralegal, I'm doing real estate land land registration. So it's back in 2003 when we didn't have even internet, when it wasn't even electronic. You had to go. How old are you when you're doing that? So I was. Uh, 21. Okay. I was 21. So 21, I already have my law degree back home. I'm a certified paralegal here, and I have two unfinished degrees. Okay, let me just stop on that for a sec. So I want to ask you about law. Um, is law a viable career and profession for people to pursue in this day and age, in your opinion? Uh, it's capped. Let's just put it this way. So. My philosophy in life, it's all about choice. We'll, we can talk about that for probably 10, 12 hours, just on choices of what brings you to you know, where you want to be. Uh, law degree is definitely a nice base. I do not see lawyers, and I know lawyers who make decent amount of money, but decent is a perception of, you know, for you, maybe 150, 200,000 is decent. For somebody, it's a half a million bucks. Lawyers are corporate and securities makes the most. Sometimes uh, personal injury law firms make decent money. But it's still capped. There's a ceiling. I don't like ceilings. So I didn't bother with it. Yeah, I have. Um, sorry, let me just, can you step, step over a sec? Is my screen working over there? Yeah, just minimize the other one. Okay, yeah, just leave it over there. Okay, yeah, because I'm having an issue with my screen over here. Just It just crapped out, but it looks like the feed's good. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, so basically, ceiling is a problem for me. I don't like ceilings. I don't like caps. Yeah. Uh, law degree, if you're looking at 300, 400,000, that's, well, okay, even not that. Junior lawyer starts at about 65 to 67 in Canada. Career fully juiced, about 200K, 250. It might be a good number, just not good enough for me. Mm -hmm. uh, so nice base to know the documents, nice base to know the contracts, nice base to figure out you know, that you don't got to get fucked in life, basically. Mm -hmm. um, but just, I don't like to be capped. So that wasn't completely understandable. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know quite a few lawyers. My ex-wife is a lawyer. 
Um, I had a guy on the other day on a plane with podcast that owned a law firm in Sacramento, California, a bunch of lawyers sold it, got out of Canada, sorry, got out of California, went over to Thailand, uh, wants nothing to do with law. Um, I know a lot of people look for professional designation as a path to success, to winning in life sort of thing. But um, I think the blockchain is going to change a lot of that. What do you think about blockchain, you know, technology with smart contracts and, and stuff like that, putting some lawyers or maybe quite a few lawyers out of work in the future? It definitely simplifies things. I don't think it's going to put anybody out of work in reality because... Like simplifying simple contracts. Yeah, simplifying simple contracts yeah. for sure. Uh, let's give you an example. Let's say you're in a divorce situation. You're negotiating. The simple contracts are not going to do it for you unless you already, you know, pre-arrange everything and you guys exactly on two terms and everybody agrees to everything, then yeah, maybe it works. Mm -hmm. But if you're in dispute, technology or blockchain is not going to solve your problem. Got you it. need people to talk on your behalf, your emotion. This is just one of the examples. I can give you thousands of examples why it's not going to happen. Security law. Like yeah. I'm paying my lawyer $1,500 an hour plus HST. I think I paid close to $900,000 last year in billables. Just to give you an example, but the firm eats up 50% of it. The lawyer ends up with 450. The lawyer has two clerks to carry. What is she going to get out of a client like me who pays 900,000? Probably clean cut, 200. She carries about 10, 12 clients. Mm -hmm. Okay, so she's at a million change. Okay, call it 2 million because like she's top three Canada wide, like the lawyer I use. So she bills, she's like over 2 million bucks. By the time you hit taxes at 52%, you're still left with a million bucks after all of those fancy clients. You're billing at Eight mil, company takes takes half, <laughs> corporation takes. Then you have legal assistance who's gotta gotta eat because you can't choose much yeah, work and up. so on. And, you know. Um, so it, it's still a cap. Yeah, yeah, and it looks like private mortgages and real estate investing is the path that you've chosen. From what I see right now with Equity Line. Um, you know, it's interesting because when I was setting this up, I was trying to figure out some way to create this event and then present it to the you know the public so I could, you know, you always want to have some sort of like a, a title that makes sense to people. So I started Googling your name. Your name's, I can't even pronounce your last name. I probably <laughs> never figured out Serge, so I'm just going to keep calling you Serge. But the, but the thing with the internet is it, is it finds everything when you put in a name like yours, right? Sure. So come across some stuff, read some press articles, come across some social media. Now... 2014 is when you started to use Instagram, you know, is what I noticed. And one of the first posts that you made was new toy and new toy is something that you bring up in our WhatsApp group, you know, with the boys with the rally and sort of stuff like that with the orders that you've got. And this was a Lexus ES. I think it was, I don't know if you remember, it was a black right. Lexus. It's a black ES. Lexus ES. Yeah. Yes. So the kind of toys that you're talking about today in 2023 yeah. versus 2014, nine years ago are very different. You've got like 28 of these toys. We're talking Lambos, Ferraris, multiple, multiple rare, Ferraris. low production yeah. vehicles that uh, are very difficult to get. Um, you're a bit of a facilitator too. Um, I've always told you guys, uh, you know, in the past, your network is your net worth. And I've, I've always wanted to get my hands on a, uh, a Spider RS. Um, you know, we talked and we bantered a little bit back and forth about it and you've managed to facilitate through one of your connections, uh, an order. So that'll be coming in uh, March, but you're well connected. You have access to all these cool cars. You've got this mortgage network. You're building it out. You're trying to get on more exchanges. How the hell do you do all this stuff? Like this is, this is a lot, a lot for people to comprehend. Like people watching this right now, 
even though they're a little shitty setup and the problems with the mic and the video and everything we're sort of testing right now and work with us guys, but you know, we'll get through it, but to comprehend the scope of the things that you do and you're still alive, you're not, <laughs> you're not dead with the amount of work that you're putting into this. How do you balance out your, the schooling that you had to go through with the multiple degrees, with the law firm, with the paralegal, with, uh, raising capital for degree to understand law no all you have to do is deal with lawyers a few times and you can pay the lawyers yeah. you know 1500 bucks an hour a thousand bucks an hour to deal with your that's, issues that's what i do so you don't have to deal with i have them. six of them right that's a smart, that's how successful, smart entrepreneurs deal with this sort of stuff is they don't go and get a accounting degree and take care of their books. They hire an accountant. They don't go and get right. a law degree and deal with the legal issues. They hire a lawyer and yes. it frees you up for the other stuff. However, you do have to have some understanding of where you're being put to because lawyers don't make the basics. Yeah. You got to have the base. Uh, so going back to school example, right? So unfinished degrees there, here, Harvard. Just a shitty, uh, you know, financial accounting certifications. Took me a year and change to get all of that, but it's a Harvard. You know, made my parents basically proud. <laughs> Same time. Are they, are they more proud of the Harvard bit versus everything else you're doing right now? It depends. My mom is a Gemini, so it's a seven seven days on a Friday day. So right. you know, it's a seven opinions in one day, basically. Yeah. Uh, it really depends. You know, I did finish my master's in law as well. Um, so. That was basically after I retired at 33. What are you more proud of, the things you're doing today or the law degree from Harvard? No, I think today. Today is definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I look back, it's a nice base. That's how I look at it. Um, I don't like ceilings. Like, that's that's my problem. And uh, base is great. Law degree, financial accounting, sure, it helps out. What it really does, it gives you those check marks for people in the financial sectors or who are higher ups than you to look at shoes that you okay you've done something in life there's a certification mm -hmm. or a diploma or just a check mark saying that okay you're not an idiot that's basically what it is mm -hmm. all what i get i get a come i hang out with older people that's number one most of my friends were a lot older let's just hover on that for a second because again you know the the podcast title is playing the win and i've often said you want like you don't want to be the smartest person in the room if you're the smartest person in the room you're in the wrong room put yourself that's in a better room. absolutely um Older people, as often as the internet likes to frown upon them and they call them names like boomers or they'll make fun of them because they'll say that they're outdated. And I could, you know, I can understand with guys like Joe Biden who fall asleep at the microphone, right? Um, but there's people that bring a certain level of experience from mistakes and life choices that they make that yeah. can be useful to you. So you chose to surround yourself with smarter older people or was that accidental like when did you discover that see so being going back a little bit to paralegal legal stuff i used to do land registry and i see the real estate agents you know my age older age come in 15 grand 20 grand per transaction i'm working there for thirty-eight thousand a year i'm like and i'm correcting their shit on the contract so i went i got my real estate diploma basically courses i'd finished my finance at the same time and i just went being a real estate agent at that time being 23 yeah, being 23 at that time, every client you're going to get when you just put up a general ad is typically older than you. So you're automatically surrounding with people who are mm -hmm. 10 to 15 to 20 years 
off your age. It's a hack. Would you call it a hack? Yeah, more or less, because people in their 23s or 25s not buying condos or houses. They don't have the means for it. So if you're providing a services to somebody, mm -hmm. it's typically people at, at least 35 who are buying a home. Mm -hmm. You're automatically talking to those people, you're doing services to them, you end up hanging out with them. If you're good at services, they're going to invite you to barbecue, home opening, home closing, whatever. You're doing open houses, you meet, meet exactly the older people and just develop the group with 15, 15 years older. Mm -hmm. Those people who are 15 years older already made their money to buy a house. You're still, you know, sucking around those things and trying to figure your life. Obviously, if you hang out with people who have 15 years of age experience on top of you, you get to learn a few things. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, what you want to do is you want to pick out of that group somebody who is more wealthy, you know, to find out how they made the money. One guy does this, second guy does that, third guy does that, and three out of five does the same thing. You're like, okay, that's probably makes sense. Now you start researching it. And, you know, house developments, did a few custom builds, probably did around 16 or 17 of custom built homes. Same time, uh, when I got my financing stuff, started to leverage with certain force mortgages, corner properties, real estate up and rising. People couldn't pay the bills. Power of sale to yourself. When did you start dealing with the mortgage stuff? So that was 2006, 2007 mortgages, 2006 real estate. Yeah, so it was just before the before uh, the, yeah. the crisis issues. How's oh. our feed over there, by the way? It's good. Thumbs up. Chat's okay. They can hear everything. Yeah. My my computer crapped out. I had to restart it, but I'll I'll get back in on my screen in a sec. Um, again, this is practice. Yeah. So we'll figure yeah. it out. Um, so I used to do private lending um, when I was 2006, 7, 8, 9, I think it was. Um, is that primarily what, what you got started with was private equity lending? I started as a real estate agent. Then basically, commissions were great. If you know how, to, what do you do? Yeah, if you're doing a lot of deals. And volume. then, you know, at 23 years old, 24, well, 23 probably much at that time to convince a person who is 45 or 50 is like why they have to go with a kid you just say well guys I used to work as a paralegal we chose a name the firm you used to work for and they say the agents used to come to me and I used to correct their contracts so you guys can be well assured that your paperwork will be intact that's basically one of the lines I keep on using for a very long time until you get your track record on mm -hmm. top and um, commissions like I said made my life basically uh, decent. And that was through the real estate Through the real estate transactions, you know. Let me ask you this. One of the things that almost all real estate agents, mortgage brokers, anybody in the mortgage business or tied in real estate always struggles with is uh, customers flow, deals, right? Um, so my background, a lot of you know, people that watch my stuff that didn't notice is that um, I was in the collection industry. Uh, I think I got in, it was 1993 or four. Spent about 10 years in it. They gave me a package. I went home. Uh, but towards 99, 2000 or so, what mortgage agents started doing was they realized that there was a lot of money to be made in seconds. And they would go to the collection agencies and they would tell the collectors, hey, if you have somebody that's got debt, uh, send them over if they're a homeowner. We'll refinance, pay out your debt, and we'll get them into a new mortgage. And everybody sort of wins. Um, that was very profitable for a while for a lot of people. A lot of people. And, um, but I did, but I did come to realize that most of them, like the vast majority, when I say most of them, like, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong because you spent more, more time in it than I did, but it seems like 
maybe even more of agents in that space, they have almost like they're scraping by, they barely make enough deals to make any money. How did you get customers? Like, how did you acquire your leads in your uh, business? Uh, network of people, like I said, they keep on referring you. You close a house, you give them a TV. They close a house, you follow up with them. So just constantly bugging people. You close a house, you give them a TV? Yeah, why not? Like, are you making 15 grand? Well, what's the, what's the problem of giving 2,000 bucks? 2,000 bucks back, whatever, yeah. who gives a crap, right? So uh, give them something. They feel appreciative. They refer your client. You give them referral fees and just, you know, you'd rather have a 50% of 100s and 100% of nothing. Right. So that's one of the formulas. And um, real money I have made on developments. It's not on the service. Service development. On developments of, con of, co of uh, condominiums. So what I have done is, services yeah. and then land up. Yeah. Okay. Basically what has happened is me. There's a period of time when you're looking for homes or you're trying to sell somebody a home. You meet different people. Different people are different sectors. Um, sell a house as so you get commissions. That's your livelihood. Now you're going into commercial. Commercial takes a very long time to buy or to sell. Now I acquired a commercial plaza for, for a gentleman and my commissions were like 650,000. He was short about 500k for actually arranging finance. So he goes like, well, you're making money. I see, you, you know, you have some money. Do you want to partner up? You know, I, I'm missing half a mil basically mm -hmm. to close. And I'm like, well, that's great. I don't really want to give you a loan, but I'm happy to take a stake of 10% and I don't really need my commissions because I have residential transaction of 10 grand, 20 grand, you know, paying me my, for, my, for my existence. And the big chunk of 650 grand basically landed me a 10% of a stake. I worked out my ass up for like probably three years with respect to getting uh, municipality approvals, running after permits, consultants, and basically just staying on top of a project. Mm -hmm. From 500,000, I made $7.6 million in three years. In three years? In three years. And that was off holding the units? That was just rezoning the piece of uh, the plaza and reselling mm -hmm. it to a builder. This was all in the GTA and Toronto? This is all in Scarborough, yeah. Do you think um, the housing market here in Canada in the Greater Toronto area is in a bubble or is it going to keep going up? It wasn't a bubble. We had what 20 to 22 percent discount right now. I think we're going to hit another discount in uh, November, December, a little more. Uh, again, depends on interest rate increases. Um, let's see how our fabulous government is going to do. Uh, that's a totally different podcast. And <laughs> but... let's, let's talk about that because I mean, you left the country for a better life in Canada. Do you think Canada is a better life for people it, leaving a place like it's Ukraine more or predict Russia? It's more predictable. More predictable. Yes, it's a lot more predictable. In what sense? Well, in what sense the government in uh, Russia or Ukraine wakes up next morning and says, well, your currency is no longer the currency. We issued a new one, so you have 48 hours to change your shit. And now here we have new dollars, 1991, <laughs> Ukraine. Mm -hmm dissolution of USSR. So you had your rubles. Now you cannot even change your rubles. They only take except the hundreds. So 50s, 25s, 10s, and 5s were not accepted. So unless, unless you had hundreds, you couldn't change. And the change period was for a couple of weeks. Right. That's it. Um, here, here, here's you had wells. Now you have nothing. You know, it's interesting. If, if predictability was more common, and I mean, we'll talk about the proxy war in a minute, but if predictability was more common where you came from, do you still think Canada is a better place? Uh, 
I know it's tough to answer because you created a lot yeah. of success here too. It depends. Well, my parents had a lot of success back home. We had uh, quite a few businesses. We were fairly wealthy until basically again the dissolution of USSR and then everything else fell to uh, fell into a hole with Ukraine and Ukraine started to go up and rising in about 2003. We left 1999, which was pretty much one of the worst years to leave. Actually, mm -hmm. that was bottom of a barrel. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. For my parents, probably yeah, it would be better. For me, I grew up here, so mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Did I travel the world? Yeah, sure. I lived in Europe. I lived in Asia. You know, I go back home fairly often. We still have, uh, you know, a house and a condo there. Um, Do you think that the government policies and the direction that they are taking Canada in are um, beneficial? Like, would you like? You've got kids, like. Are you happy with your kids being here with the way that they're doing things? Absolutely not. No, I'm, I'm actually looking to Florida. I'm actually looking to move to Florida soon. That's why the New York company is going up. Mm. I'm putting another uh, person to run my Canadian uh, fund. I mean, it's not small, but it's not big. It's like 68 million. Mm. So I'm putting somebody in charge to run my Canadian entities and uh, I'm slowly moving to transition to states. What is it that's um, having you look to the states or Florida to... It's a bigger make... market. It's a bigger growth. I mean, look at population, right? Um, just Florida has a population almost the size of Canada. Like if you think about it, mm. they're what, 28 million dollars, 28 million Florida-wise? Yeah. We had 38 million Canada-wide. Yeah. Ontario, 18 million people. Um, you know, Canada. And the policies as far as government, like, how do you see those factoring into that decision? Well, it depends. I mean, the tax rates here are high, right? Tax rates are high everywhere. There's no personal income tax in a place like Florida. Yeah, but I'm corporate, right? So I don't do it personal. I have very small personal income. Yeah. I have 16 different businesses and my businesses pay for everything. Interesting. <laughs> there's, uh, there's ways uh, how to, you know, not to be bothered with personal taxes. What, um, you know, I get a lot of questions from young men. They're like, how do I, how do I do what you're doing? How do I get to where you're at? Right. They, they always want like, give me a, B, C, D so I can be you and drive those cars. And sure. Uh, what advice do you give to those young guys? ABC for simplicity. You have your daytime full-time job, get your real estate license, do that on a Saturday, Sunday and evenings after work. Yeah, it's tough, but until you get your clientele, which takes two to three years, you're not gonna, you cannot switch your career change. Now, after you have your clientele and you see that real estate pays you two times more than your day job, now it's time to minimize a day job, switch into a career, uh, different career full-time. Real estate is scalable. You can get a team member, you can coach people, you can have five, six, 10 people at one point of time. Are you I talking about 16. real estate in real estate the agent, of... Real estate license, real estate broker, okay. real estate agent. That's, I did that. I had 16 agents under me. I still mm -hmm. have my role, my own real estate brokerage. Do I work as a realtor? Hell no. For my old, old clients who were with me for like 16, 17 years, maybe, or I just maybe throw to somebody else uh, for the listing and it just helps them out as advice. Mm -hmm. uh, don't really have the time right now to deal with that. Um, like forty, fifty thousand dollars check, you just not going to cut me. Let's just put it this way. Mm -hmm. Unless it's an old client who I know it's like bang, bang, we're done in two in a weekend. Sure, I go for 50 grand. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking about like time wasters, which a lot of them, yeah, that's not happening. And a lot of my clients know for the past probably 10 years. It's like, guys, unless you really know what you do, what you want, I'm not bothering with you. Is um, private lending, uh, private equity lending, the sort of stuff that you do, is that 
Is that something that you would recommend after a few years in real estate? Is it after 10 years in real estate? It's you got to at least have a million bucks of disposable cash saved up. Mm. If you have less than a mill, it doesn't really make sense because let's be realistic, you're making anywhere between 10 to 15% returns. So to spend time and do research and you know go into it, unless you have a mill, makes not a lot of sense anyways. Mm. Again, maybe it is for 100,000 and you get your thousand bucks a month and you're happy with it, maybe, just not my numbers. Um, like in my fund, I have 9.5, which is from my, per from my family fund, from my family accounts. What's the minimum for a mix still today? There's no minimum. It's 20 investors and the minimum is 100,000. Okay. There's no actual minimum minimum, but yeah. Okay, you so can you can it. form a MIC with 20 investors. 20 investors, yeah. And a MIC, for those watching that don't know, is a mortgage investment company. Um, you basically take money on deposit from your investors and you distribute it out on smaller uh, mortgages. You charge the borrower, usually on, on seconds, 9.9 uh, to 14.99%, and you pay your investors, you know, Nine, spread ten. on that. Yeah. Nine ten um, keeps the spread, takes the lender fees, three four points. One of the things I find, you know, when I talk to a lot of successful entrepreneurs and um, guys that have, you know, put a little dent in the universe, is a lot of the times they say the first million is the hardest to make. Yeah. Would you agree with that or disagree Absolutely. with that? Absolutely. Why? Well, you're starting with nothing. The first million. You see, I have on my driveway 2007 Volkswagen Jetta. It's worth probably two grand, worth less than my tires and my cars. Mm -hmm. I still have it. That was my first mill in mm. that car. That was so, it, eh? Yeah. So that car staying. Mm. I had a rebuilt engine, transmission, bodywork, new tires. But on why keep it? Is it a symbol of just a struggle? Probably. or? Yeah, probably. I mean, it doesn't cost me anything right now, right? Mm. So you don't want to sell it? Not really. Sentimental value, maybe? I have, um, I have a talking point that I've used a lot that tends to piss off some people. And... Again, you know, young, young viewers that watch my stuff, it's usually guys, um, I'll encourage them and I'll say, look, aim to be a millionaire by the time you're 30. If you miss that mark, if you miss that mark, at least do it by 40. People push back real hard. Oh, that's, oh, that's impossible. You know, rich are out of touch. Uh, you can't make that money. All the rich people have hoarded it. Uh, I disagree. You have no idea what you're talking about. Explain why you disagree. Because I have done it. We came here in 1999. I was 15 and a half. We had 14,320 bucks in our pocket for three of us. Mm -hmm. First six months of to pay for rent at 300 at uh, 1,310 bucks per month times six months, your nine and a half thousand dollars goes out of a window. What do you have left? You have 5,000 bucks. You have to buy also furniture because you get an empty apartment. You got to survive. You got to have uh, some, you know, transportation, food, and everything else. So it's possible. Yeah. Because I have done it. It's, you know, it's interesting that the, that the immigrant mindset is always so hungry, but it seems like there's so many people that are just like, it's too much. Can't do it. It's, you know, it's impossible. You're, you know, you're asking, uh, too much of me. You sleep five hours a night. That's all. That's it. You, you know, your school finished at three forty-five. by the time you're home at four thirty, have a lunch, uh, you know, half an hour drive to work. 45 minute drive to work, start at six, you finish at midnight, 11 o'clock at night, and you go home. Have you always hustled or, or did you ever have like a time in your life where it was like, I'm just gonna go home, watch TV, play video games, smoke drugs, do nothing? Don't do drugs, never done it. Used to drink, dropped it when I was probably 23. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
94. So you, so you never had the inkling to just cruise? Just put it on cruise control. You know, it doesn't get you anywhere. Control, take it easy. It doesn't get you anywhere, up. right? It, mm-hmm. does, it doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't get you anywhere. No. Yeah. That's the moment you pause, you're done. Yeah, that's the point that I try to drive home, right? Like I like I want to reach those guys and you know give them a nudge, a little little shove, and be like, you know, come on, man. Like, you know, I've done it. Guys like you have done it. Every guy that we roll with in the rallies that are driving these nice cars that are you know parked downstairs, they've all done it. Um, you know, I always find it it's you know it's interesting when people have that slow cruise control, maybe even a victim mindset. Um, it's fascinating. What's going on down there? Yeah. Christina, Chris, can you ask him to stop that? Whatever it is that they're doing. Thanks. So we're in the shop and there's some people that are downstairs still that are uh, doing some work. <laughs> I think, uh, I think, I think they are steaming uh, the floors or, or washing or whatever. Knock it off, boys. We'll get to that later. All right. Um, let's see, what else should we, should we cover with this um, episode? What is it that well, you'd I, want to tell people that really, you haven't talked about yet? I haven't really finished the whole story, okay, right? Yeah, because you, you, keep, you, you ask it and you're like half, halfway done through it. Yeah, I get distracted with these with these side points because you've done so much in your... For me, actually, you know, sitting here having a conversation, it's, it's very interesting because we spend a lot of time together, like days together, yeah. literally, almost weeks now. Um, and then for you to sort of go down these rabbit holes. So, yeah, carry on, please. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know, no worries. Um basically real estate was done for me like that's big tranche of money i mean i've done some some work back home as consulting i, I mean i consulted for for bank license back home um consulted for other entities back home again that capital has never came here so it's always back home is back home kind of idea what's what's back home is that in back in ukraine back okay. home in ukraine so i launched uh, i launched a series of six banks uh like i got a bank license for people I assisted on that um through friends who I graduated from school with, and uh, they paid me well uh, to get it accomplished. They had six branches, and the company barely upped. Um, what's the what's the requirement to set up a bank in? So Ukraine? It used to be in Ukraine at that time was five hundred thousand dollars U.S. Okay. It wasn't much, uh, and, and that pro- was the and probably about one hundred and fifty thousand in just uh, legal work. But that yes. was the barrier to entry. It was five hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah. And you can set up a bank. To create a Schedule One bank in Canada, what's the uh, right now? So for the A, for the A, I think it's uh, they raised the bar. I think they want the hundred mil now, mm-hmm. and it's difficult. I am working on one where it's fifty. It's privately owned, but it's a B class bank, and it's uh, it has restrictions. Mm-hmm. Like right now, to compete with the top five or even seven, like target entry, impossible. Mm-hmm. So Laura, I'm using uh, Alison Manzer out of Castlesbrook. She done seven bank licenses over her career of 42 years. So like I said, I do pay a lot, but I use the best. Um, once you get there, you, it it pays benefits to, to work with people who've been in a career for so long. Mm-hmm. They know all the ins and outs, and they have friends in different jurisdictions. Let's just put it like that. You pay for what you get as a result, mm. right? So the moment I hit free falling of about 50 million sitting on my accounts, I don't have 50 million in the cash flow right now. I don't have a little more than half of it available, mm-hmm. but I don't have 50. Do I want to partner up with somebody? Not really. Um, I probably would, but I want controlling, controlling interests because I tend to like 
what I do. And I don't let like just, to listen. Let me just pause your thought on the yeah. on the banking thing for a second and distract you with partnerships. I've had partnerships. Most of them don't work out. Yeah. Um, what's your experience with partnerships been with business? Uh, I call myself a bad partner. Okay. So they don't work out for you either. They, I started with somebody, then I want to keep going. And the people are looking to your comment of cruise control. Yeah. And it just doesn't work for me. Like if I fit like here in the club, we finished in two weeks. Yeah. I want to, I want a hundred percent. I want to be out of here. I want to have people that want to go to something else. Mm -hmm. Partners. And then now next year, I want to pop one in Miami. Now more cash needs to be put up and as a 1.5 mil. Okay. No problem. I cough it up because the partners, if the guy doesn't have the capital behind it, or he's like, well, I'm good here. I'm not planning to go to Miami. Why do we need to do this? Well, I want to do it. And if I, if I kind of want to do it, I just do it. And I don't want to ask. Mm -hmm. I don't want to ask permissions of people anymore. Yeah. So having a partner, it might be cool. Hey buddy, let's screw it. It's all great. We're going to drag the wall together. It may be good when you're, very small startup and nobody has money and you're literally working your ass off for something mm -hmm. probably okay there. So the moment you have a little bit of a money in your pocket partnerships don't work yeah simply don't okay so we talk about that banking stuff banking wise yeah 50 million b bank um then you can get leverage components on the b bank you're probably looking 2.8 out of a canadian uh, bonds so you put up 50 you can borrow and land at basically 2.8 times of what you're putting up. So if you're putting up 50 million, you can get a line of credit from Bank of Canada at prime times 2.8, 50 mil. So that works to about $140 million. Mm -hmm. Now you put up 50, you get 140. Not so bad. Now you leverage that out, off you go. Mm -hmm. So that's basically what I'm looking for. Again, it goes down to the basics of what my life used to be for many, many years mm -hmm. uh, is real estate and real estate finance. I made my first multiple million dollars in real estate development. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's how the vast majority of wealth is created on the uh, Forbes list of richest people is still mostly real estate. Okay. It's either it's either real estate or it's entrepreneurship or it's a combination of both. Uh, go down to basics. Uh, what did you have five years? Uh, five hundred thousand years ago, you had a house, you had a brick, mortar house. Very simple question I ask every single person who invests in my entity, which is, uh, you know, in mortgages. What's the last thing you're going to give up in your life? Like right your now, house. even you, Rich, yeah, your house. you have a house, you have beautiful cars, you have everything. What's the last thing you're going to default if you have no money? Yeah, it's your house. It's your house. It's a house. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so talk about the mortgage investment company and then we'll get into the cars and the rally stuff and the, the club. Sure. Um, so basically what has happened We're is, here today. yeah, yeah. By 33, 26 and 33, in that seven years, I did three development projects. I basically retired. I still have a couple plazas, which gives me monthly incomes. Mm. I make about close to 80 grand a month right now, just on passive income. I do not have to work. At 33, I had my first child, my oldest son, Alex. I sat home for two months. I said, fuck it. I don't have to work. I have kids now. I want to put on a cruise control, like mm -hmm. you say, and just basically chill it out, see what happens. Take some I'll, time off when they're babies. Yeah. You it's know, mostly Google Gaga, though. You know, for guys at that age, it's, it's, it's not very productive. You don't have you know how long any I lasted? To imprint. Seven fucking weeks. Yeah, I was going to say. 
almost two months. I said, fuck this. I can't deal with this shit anymore. Yeah. I got to be out of a house. Yeah, your time is far better me. spent out there this bringing home me. the bacon yeah, this and letting her cook it up, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, it just wasn't me. Yeah. I, I couldn't do it. Oh, fair enough, yeah. Couldn't do it. So I'm like, okay, well, I have done all that. I have a mortgage company at that time, which my partner used to run it. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't give a shit for it. It wasn't producing more, lots of money for me. My real estate stuff was making a lot more. So I'm like, okay, so I have this, I have that. You know, I have other phone company, voice IP telecom. I have other things, which, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. And I'm like, I don't have to do any of this. Now, what I want to do in life. So I went to talk to some politicians, do I do a political career? Well, heavy accent coming from USSR, uh, tough. Plus, also. Why did, why did politics interest you? Because <sighs> I have zero interest. I have so many people who are like, Rich, you got to run for mayor, you got to run for prime minister, you got to run for premier. It's like, I have zero interest in dealing with any of those people. I know a lot of politicians who have very deep pockets and I know how they make the deep pockets oh, on real okay. estate, so for the network. on real estate place. Yeah. Okay. They make big money onto making sure that some of the developments get developed. Let's put it this way. Yeah. And there's a lot of sidekicks. I mean, this is what politicians are all about, you know, offshore accounts and everything else. So seen it. So it's more for the business aspect, less yeah. of the, yes. let me create policies to yeah, guide. Yeah, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Okay. So I looked at all of that and you still have to comply with all the bullshit of, you know, be nice, talk to people, lies, your teeth. So I spent like, I don't know, four or five months researching into it. it wasn't for me. Like all this lying and holding back, just yeah. not me. Yeah. I go straight to your face. Dude, I don't like you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. That's, that's me. Yeah. And you know what? You don't like something? Sue me. Fuck off. Yeah. That's, that's me. Yeah. So politics is not for a guy like that. Wasn't, wasn't for me. Now, what else you do? Well, you have limited capital. So even if I use up, like, you know, at that time I had probably like 12 million bucks net worth. So what do I do with it? Do I go and buy another development and just keep on doing that? Great. But there's no massive upscale. At that time, I still had my Lexuses. Mm -hmm. I was happy with my Lexuses. Toyotas never break. Nobody looks at you. Nobody knows what you have. Very low key. Mm -hmm. Don't give a shit. So, you know, I'm like, okay, well, Let's research who's uh, most wealthy people. Okay, they run funds. What does it run? Real estate fund, finance fund, mm -hmm. or they do food import export stuff like that. Import export, you need big warehouses, lots of headache, lots of running around. Mm, didn't like it. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's open up a mortgage investment corporation because we had administration license since 2014. We've been administering money, me and my partner, for somebody else. Okay, what do we do? Well, let's take a look what we can come up with and, you know, grow it to a bigger numbers mm -hmm. and that's what it started basically the end of 20 20 well beginning of 2017 mm -hmm. the end of 2016 2016 beginning of 2017 mm -hmm. that's basically when it started and then it's like yeah mortgage investment corporation okay we have the brokerage we have the track record that is administering other other people money our own money is the same there's the same license and it's like okay there's audited financials let's use this we have we pushed volume about 320, 360 million a year at that time, just brokering stuff. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a cruise control. I didn't give a shit for that company. Like, wasn't making much. Because majority of fees you're charging is like 10%. So if you're grossing up like 1.2 million, volume, yeah. it's volume. Agents take 90% of it. You have 120 grand left. There's not a lot of juice after office and men and everything else to, to, to be made. So you're like, okay, you actually got to get into a skin. You got to do your own deals. You got to have your own capital. That's where you make the lender fees. Lender fees, three to four points. Okay, not so bad. 
how do we get it done? All right, well, I will dump my some of my funds. At that time, I put up like four million after we did a public raise. So we went public in Jamaica, which we were the first Canadian company to do that. Jamaica was rated top uh, 10 exchanges in the world twice at that time. So Jamaica is Jamaica Stock Exchange, the yeah. top top 10 best performing world exchanges by New York Stock Exchange. Explain why. Uh, gross compliance, just basically gross. Mm. And uh, lawyers out of Castles broke. They said, "Here's what we're going to do. We're going to list you. We're going to raise money at the Jamaican Stock Exchange. We're going to cross-list you to Toronto Stock Exchange Venture, and now you're going to be public here. Once you're public here, run oh, for a like couple a years. Event. Yeah, run it, run it for a couple of years. Then you know you can talk to all the broker dealers. Hopefully, we get picked up by banks, picked up by broker uh, broker family offices, and so on and so forth. That was a gateway." We needed 200 investors. We got 143 out of Jamaica. We were short 57 people to make the cut for TSX. How'd you do it? We didn't list on TSX. Okay. You couldn't. Now, you know, we're going into it, into that. TSX is Toronto Stock Exchange for yeah. those of you guys not sure what you're talking about. So it's the third largest exchange uh, in North America. Yeah. So we go NASDAQ, we go New York Stock Exchange, and then it's TSX. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, we didn't cut, we didn't make the cut. Okay, let's try to do something next year. Pandemic starts. Mm. <laughs> Everything is closed. Two years into that bullshit. Now, you know, we are slowly getting capital from moms and pops, couple investors, exempt market dealers. We had a couple of them, but everything is slow in raising capital. Fund is small. We didn't hit our target of publicity, what we wanted. Time is going by. Track record is building, but nothing in reality happening. So we're growing slowly. You know, we started with 5.3 million out of Jamaica. I put up another foreign change. Now we're at nine, we're at 12, 14, 15, and just time lapses, lapses, and going forward. It's like, okay, well, we're building track records, whatever, whatever. Last week, we had picked up by BMO, Bank mm -hmm. of Montreal. I have a contract on my table, which is getting back and forth right now for $50 million injection over two years. Each month, that'll lead to the other banks too. Though. Yeah, the moment the BMO signs up, and the first of September, I get my first two million because he's willing to put up two million each month mm -hmm. on the transition of basically two years. Uh, it's minimum two months per year, uh, two two million per month, and they can put up the whole amount, or they can give minimum two million each month. That's basically what my contract stipulates. Has anybody ever called you an overnight success? No, there's no overnight. There's no such thing there's as an no overnight, overnight success. I spent just to go public in Jamaica took me a year and a half. To go public right now in the New York, it's taking almost two years. So if you no, call no, an overnight like... of two years, sure. Yeah, you put up. You put up. You put up. Okay, so here's how it goes: you work eight to six at six you come and you spend time with your kids a little and a wife at 10 p.m you start working on legal documents until 2 a.m 3 a.m mm -hmm. and then uh, you wake up seven in the morning and you continue the same bullshit. and there's your overnight success yeah there goes yeah. your overnight success. multiplied by how many years a year and a, a half year and a half to go public no no but total for everything that led up to that it must have been that was that wasn't that such a late nights i did had some multiple offer situation at 4 30 a.m to buy some bullshit homes yeah mm -hmm. i had those yeah uh mostly days open but anything from 4 p.m until 11 at night real estate career that's what you do and the daytime from like 9 a.m to 4 p.m you do mortgages mm -hmm. so you kind of have two jobs 
Gotcha. So yeah, I'm great overnight success. I just did 16 wonderful fucking years in real estate and mortgages. You know. <laughs> when you say great overnight success, I'm starting to think of Borat. Great success. <laughs> um, man, uh, you know, I want to segue into cars and rallying and the club and all this sort of stuff. Well, because we, we, we're kind of leading to that. Yeah, yeah. Kind of leading to that. Yeah, let's go. Because, I mean, um, you know, the racing license and everything. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, my father, right? Uh, 1985 and 1986, two silver medals in uh, uh, East European countries for rally mm -hmm. on the ladders. What kind of rallies? Lada, Lada. Oh, ladder rallies. Lada. Like forest, gravel. Yes. That sort forest, of stuff. Forest, gravel, yeah. dirt roads. Asphalt, you name mm. it, everything. Okay. That's what they used to race. Two silver medals. Um, he was a uh, the guy who calls a map. I don't know what it, what's the word in oh, English. The navigator. The navigator. Yeah. So they were switching as well. So there's a driver, there's a navigator. He was a sub uh, in case the driver's screwed or whatever. So he had to substitute a few few laps as well, a few runs, and uh, two silver medals. So I loved it. I like it. <sighs> See. I drove Lexuses for majority of my time. Like mm -hmm. I had Volkswagen and stuff, broke broke too much. I still mm -hmm. kept the car, but uh, you don't want to show up. I had seven uh, S sixty three AMG Mercedes Benz. Mm -hmm. I had it for two months. Business went down right away because you're showing up as a twenty five year old at that time, to a forty five year old who's buying a house, who's driving a Toyota Camry. He looks at me with a hundred forty thousand dollar car. You're making too and much money, buddy. You're like, buddy, you're making too much money. Like, yeah. um, you want to lower your commissions, and now you know you're not making twenty two grand anymore. You're making eleven, and you go like, fuck this car. <laughs> the car's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it. Leave that one at home. Well, I didn't want to leave stuff and pay, you know, twenty four hundred dollars per month just for it to sit on the sidelines. Yeah. Brother, use it twenty four hundred for something else. At that time, I had custom homes going, so every penny counts. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm like, yeah, Lexus. Beautiful, just works. You know. It's a perfect. Uh, it blends right in. It's that, classic. Yeah. It's comfortable. If you drive clients, it's nice and comfortable. Yeah. Like no issues whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk to me about your passion for vehicles. I mean, your I mean, your subheading here is where passion and performance meet. Yeah. You know, we've done probably close to 10, 12,000 miles together on rallies. Probably. Yeah. You built this car club. You're in the production phase of a film which you're going to sell you've got your partner that just walked in here james, yeah, james um, yeah. and uh you know got all these cars coming in what are you more passionate about is it is it like the car like the petrol head stuff or is it like the business the financing the mortgages so that's work like remember i have two towers getting built right or is now. it or is I, the work pays for the passion the work pays for the passion yeah the passion doesn't pay for work unfortunately yeah <laughs> doesn't uh Look, I'm probably sitting close to seven, no, probably $8 million right now in car orders. So what is it about supercars that appeal to you? Uh, so it's a passion, but... Because a lot of people don't get it. They're like, oh, that's stupid. You're wasting your money. You know how many children you could feed? Uh, what's the other one too? Oh, they depreciate. You're going to lose your money as soon as you drive it off a lot. Yeah, and guess what? If you have money, you don't care. That's number one. Number two is, it's the people you surround yourself with. So if you have a half a million to blow on a car, and I have a half a million to blow on a car, I'm pretty sure we have something to talk about. If you don't have a half a million to blow, or a mil or two or five like I do, mm -hmm. um, maybe you're not the guy I should be listening to what you do in life. So I just want to 
rephrase that for people watching, okay? Because which camera are we on? This one? This one. Okay. So I just want to rephrase that for people that are watching this, right? Supercars aren't just to drive fast, to have fun, to, you know, to get the looks, get the feel, you know, that you get out of driving it. They're also networking tools, aren't they? Of course. I mean, like we met on a rally because we both have a passion for cars, but it's also a networking tool, yeah. right? A powerful networking tool, in fact. So I think I did mention to you what a club is, this club is all about. First yeah. of all, I ran out That's of right. parking spaces. Yeah. So we had to do something because I have six homes. None of them fit my cars anymore because I have my dad's, I have my mom's, I have my wife's, I have kids' toys, I have lawnmowers, I have ATVs, I have jet skis, I like all this shit fills up. So I ran out of parking spaces, number one. Second was like, do I build a massive, massive mansion? Sure, work in progress. You need disposable six million bucks to build it. Do I want to pull out six million and not to make 900,000 a year on that money? Not really. I like my 900,000, don't care for the mansion. You know, ups and downs of life, I guess. Um, so this is, and I still haven't decided on the formula which one, which one I'm still doing. Am I doing my 300 bucks a month, 300 people, or I'm saying, fuck this, you want to be here? It's a thousand bucks a month and it's a hundred people. Haven't decided on that, I'm still debating. We did have a soft opening. Uh, we had over 300 people here attending. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people who came around and a lot of people who I met on the last rally we did together, yeah. those yo-yos, even if they pay me a thousand bucks, I don't want them. Mm -hmm. So there's certain people I have zero interest in because I don't see the future of me communicating with them to teach, to teach them how they should be living. What's the objective I don't have the time. to have high... Very high net worth. Very high net worth. Very, very, very high Very well connected. Yes. Good people. Yeah. Application process. Application is a must. Vetting. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to get some yo-yos in for sure. Yeah, that's something uh, like I think we talked on our way back after the rally. Like we had what 65 cars. Yeah. The next, first of all, I'm not going on the next one. That's probably John leaving. Give us a minute. Cars <laughs> make lots of noise in here when they start up. Um, Is he pulling out? John is uh, taking his truck off because there's a thousand horses power out. Oh, he's taking the truck out now? Yeah. Anyway, he's backing yeah. out his thousand horsepower track off. Sounds like he's outside now. It's a nice car. Oh, it right. goes. That yeah. thing goes and rattles. Um, yeah, so the club, the people, vetting them, the yo-yos, the rally. Okay, yeah, go ahead. So I'm not doing the next year. Yeah. I'm not. I, I can't. I just this one drove me nuts. Yeah. There are, there are obvious and significant benefits to having a lot of people on the road at the same time, especially when you have encounters. Because yeah. then it's like, ah, that wasn't us. That was probably the other guys because there's 65 cars on this rally. Sure. That's the only excuse. Yeah. I mean, look, we rolled for six days. Yeah. Pretty much just like, what, six, seven of us? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much invisible, too. We didn't get any trouble. Um, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Right. right. <laughs> um, so EMS service. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to tell that story some other time. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll save that for the uh, other podcast. So, <laughs> what are we working on? Let's let's sort of get to like the wrap up part because I think um, with this little test and tune with the setup and everything we're doing, we just kind of wanted to see how it was going to work. I wanted to have a conversation with Sergey, introduce you guys to him. Um, I think the best thing for you guys to do if you want to learn a little bit more about 
the club and what he's doing is probably just go to the Instagram page, would you say? Yeah, Flat Six Club and then Flat Six Movie Official. Okay. Uh, if you can go to the chat over there, there should be an opportunity for you to... Can you put something in the chat there? Oh, it doesn't have chat open, does it? It's okay. It's it's um, it's on the bottom there. It's like the subheading below um, Sergey's name. Yeah, what are we actually doing here is like, besides the club, how actually is the club name originated? I got approached by James from our group in Saturn Drives, right? Yeah. And basically, hey, you guys, there's a movie. Anybody wants to, you know, uh, participate? They have, obviously, was a wedding process yeah. as well to check out what you do, what you drive, and things like that. And it's like, then I became a partner investor in a flat six movie. Movie is basically about cars and primarily Porsche. Um, we do have an official uh, movie trailer, uh, which can be checked out at uh, YouTube channel, the Flat Six Movie Official. Mm -hmm. uh, Tim Shmi was actually introducing that about a couple of weeks ago, I mm -hmm. think. Yeah, he introduced our uh, trailer. You guys should actually check it out as well. Um, that was part of it. While the car club was developing with a different name remember we had the supercar syndicate mm -hmm. with previous partner when i flew back from miami i said this is it nothing is getting done i you know i have a different vision and they just mm -hmm. basically killed that name killed the partnership lost a couple hundred thousand in that just walked away i said keep it i don't give a shit uh just clean your shit in 48 hours and that's it yeah. and then i just basically took over you saw what i did to this place uh with my vision and um James is like, you know, we're debating. I'm debating on a name because I was throwing out some names. James is like, well, why don't you use a movie name? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, that works. So now it became basically the movie slash club, second location of Club Miami. Uh, little spillover. We probably do a second movie in Miami as well. When is that movie going to be out, do you, do you think? Because it's, it's think... supposed to be sold to Netflix or Amazon Prime, right? Yeah, yes, that's work in progress. We have, we already have discussions back and forth. And, uh, I think we'll be done filming by November, December, by Christmas. And mm -hmm. I think the movie will be out after New Year's. Okay. You um, and it too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, um, I mean, I posted a picture on Instagram when um, I was out with James doing the interview here. But um, yeah, so you guys will be able to probably see that on Netflix or Prime um, in the not so distant future. Um, we're also going to try to put together something else for YouTube. Can we talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, that's the next one. So we're big car guys, huge car guys. I mean, we never talk about business or mortgages or that boring shit. Um, it's almost always cars, rallies, the stuff that we do on that. It's loads of fun, uh, putting miles on the cars, seeing the scenery, um, you know, seeing what roads have to offer us here, uh, mostly on the East Coast, Appalachian Trail and stuff like that. Although I have mentioned, I don't know if we talked about it ourselves, but I was, but I've mentioned like we got to do bigger stuff. Like let's go to Europe. Let's you know, let's do some rallies there too. Well, um Saturn is uh arranging something for next year he's trying I heard yeah, yeah. um I'm, I'm happy to go down I don't for sure I don't care um Just lots of advanced notice yeah we're working on another project which is going to be a car podcast and potentially something building on top of that with uh, reviews and other other stuff like that with exotics there's lots of cars I mean there's enough cars over here to keep us busy for months literally well listen this just with allocations up to year end we have 17 so they can yep. do a car each week yeah and we're not we're not doing like camrys or kias or anything like that you're <laughs> gonna see some crazy shit and you're gonna hear some crazy stories if we get into them on the podcast which we're gonna kind of test after this we're gonna are we gonna do podcast live or do you want to do like a pre like a pre-record and we'll pop I'm, it out later 
Because I can tell people that are watching this now to go to the other channel if you want to do it live. Yeah, we can do we can do live and uh, we will record. Are we set up, Christina, to do it live on the other channel? Do we have StreamYard and everything set up? Yeah, it just what I want to actually to do is I want to build in a movie clip from Flat Six into that recording. So yeah. we'll cut out the we will record the podcast. Yeah. We go live. We we get we introduce James. Then once we actually post it. For the YouTube channel, you know, I'm gonna put a flat six movie in it, okay. and then I want to do a couple of uh, shots of uh, cars, which we're yeah, gonna okay. do on Saturday, and just build it into that movie as well. Because okay. remember, on Saturday, we have right now, guys, two seven six five spiders, LT McLarens, which are seven hundred sixty five of them worldwide. We have two of them in our shop right here. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. come on. No, I know. <laughs> um, so the YouTube channel is. The, the gas pedal the gas pedal so if you guys want to go to the youtube channel the gas pedal um we're going to try to get set up and do our next podcast talking about cars only they're live so uh i guess with that being said um i'm gonna have to reboot this computer again because it crapped out on me uh technical issues and uh we'll kill the stream so give me a sec uh guys and let me just do that so i can kill the stream but uh it's still running on the other cameras these are the technical issues i have to deal with with this bullshit <laughs> <laughs> um, keep the feed going on that one still, though, on that camera, until I can turn this off. I mean, people will see us right now. We're just okay. sort of navigating through it, such as uh, the unprofessional life of doing shit on YouTube. So I got four lifts going. You're going to have Porsches, Lambos, McLarens, and again, Porsches. Sounds good. <laughs> Do you need a Porsche? Yeah. Saturday. I can bring it in. Yeah, for sure. Come uh, on Saturday for 3 p.m. Okay, here we go. I just kill this feed. I don't know what's going on with this computer. James, but it's... Saturday, three p.m. Right? Uh, yes, correct. Okay. All right, here we go. Apologies for the technical difficulties, ladies and gents, but it is what it is. All right, thanks for watching the uh, the cast. See you guys later. Peace out. <laughs>